What is up, people? This is The Casual Truth, and this week on the show, I spoke with Detroit performer Miles Lindsay, also known as Intricate Dialect. This episode, we got much more deeper than just rap. We got into spoken word, ancient cultures, fatherhood, reincarnation, and really being a torchbearer for knowledge. We did go deep. It was awesome. I'm having a great time talking to people of all different walks of life, and I hope you enjoy this. Um, hope to have him back on the show one day, and that's all I got. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and without further ado, here's Itsky. Itsky, what's up, man? Man, life is good. Life good. is good, so. Tell yeah. us who you are. Itsky, intricate dialect, um, hip-hop, musician, storyteller, poet, um, creative storytelling podcaster from the city of Detroit. How long have you been doing this? Um, Hip-hop, rapping for a little over 20 years. And uh, I started doing the storytelling podcasting 2016. So what's the current state of affairs of hip-hop in Detroit right now? I have no idea. (laughs) have you been getting out though have you been performing during the pandemic i i've done a couple shows i've done a couple shows uh i've taken a long break because in late 2018 uh my son was born my first child so like that takes precedent over congratulations over everything and so you know 2019 20 like i'm just starting to get in the in the mix of uh of parenting uh, so only this year, I think the first show I've done since the pandemic was in March, and I've done a couple since then, but uh, yeah, primarily, man, I'm just trying to stay creative and um, put out, you know, just work on new stuff, put out new projects, yeah. and you know, if a show that I like interests me, uh, I'll do it. Actually, um, bookstores are kind of my, my new thing. There's a bookstore down the street in Corktown, 27 Letter Bookstore, that I did a creative storytelling show uh, with my friends, Jock Connery and War and Peace, where we do poetry, storytelling, and rap. And there, uh, which is which is the best to me. I'd rather right now perform at a bookstore than at a bar. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because my subject matter is to be thought about, you know? Like when I, when I, the, the show that I did in March, um, you know, I'm doing songs about Akhenaten and Jesus and toxic masculinity. Like I'm, you know, and it's just falling on deaf ears. Like, People are drinking, they're, they're paying attention to how I'm performing, but yeah. not what I'm saying. Bunch so, of cavemen. Ugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, after, after that show, I was like, nah, nah, fuck this. I'm, I'm over it. I'm yeah. over it. So well, You just recently re- released an album. You released KB55, right? Yup, yup. When did you yeah. release that? That was the end of October during a full moon. I like that. Yeah. Was that intended? Yes, 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 yes. What I've learned through KV55 is that um, when putting out a project, it's important to pay attention to the lunar calendar. It sounds you know? very Masonic. It sounds very spiritual. I love, very, ma- I love masonry, and I love spirituality. But, but yeah, man, you got to pay attention to how people are listening and when they're listening, not just set a date and do it very grid-like. Interesting. Do no. you have you found there to be a difference? Do you just believe there to be a difference and um, hope that it manifests in some certain way? What is to be and what I believe to be overlap to the point where I I can't tell. Yeah. I I be, I believe that it makes a difference. From now on, I'm always going to be paying attention to the lunar lunar calendar as I drop my projects. I like that. But um yeah, I'm glad I you know, I'm glad I pay attention. To How has your work been received when you've uh you know, done the readings at the bookstore? Uh 
at the bookstore is people are listening, man, because it's a it's a different audience. You know, people are there to pay attention to what is being said and who is saying it. It's more cerebral. Yeah, it's more cerebral. We're at a show. It's like a talent show. It's a competition. You know, rappers are constantly judging each other. Yeah. And the majority of hip hop shows, at least out here, are just a bunch of rappers judging each other. Yeah. Which is cool. You know, like there's a mutual respect and camaraderie among hip hoppers around here. But at the same time, like, I'm not playing this game that you guys are playing. Yeah. You know, my songs aren't about this stuff that your your songs are about. Yeah, man. I love your Instagram because you get on there and you're super confident in your posts and oh, you just man. throw it down and I'm just like, this guy's great. Word, word. I appreciate it, man. I and appreciate it. I wanted to follow that up by asking you, <clears throat> you have this confidence in what you do. You write and you perform in a certain way and mm -hmm. there's this legacy of hip hop in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you is, do you measure yourself against that legacy? Do you worry about how you're going to be perceived? Not as much as I used to, as far as worry about how I'm to be perceived. Um, I, I'm a little bit self-conscious, so there's something in the back of my mind that's paying attention to that, but I'm not so worried as before. And as far as legacy, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I started writing and performing because I loved Electrifying Mojo, you know. And in the early 90s, Electrifying Mojo used to spit poetry during his radio show. And that was what, like, really affected me. Uh, Early then, inspiration, you'd say? Absolutely, absolutely. And he was so close. You know, he was friends with my father, so... It was somebody that I could listen to the radio, be affected by his poetry, but also know the man as well. Yeah. But I also come from the time in Detroit where seeking knowledge was really important. You know, when Wu-Tang started getting popular, there was a slew of five percenters in Detroit, uh, Nuwapians in Detroit. There was the ODR, the Order of Divine Reality, like these little mystic cults around Detroit. We had uh, the Shrine of the Black Madonna bookstore. We had um, Truth Bookstore at Northland Mall. And, you know, people would congregate there, man, and, and learn themselves, trade knowledge, and expect the other people to know where they came from and who they are stuff yeah. like that so it's important to me yeah i like that you mentioned wu-tang i mean one of my favorite wu-tang songs is triumph oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and you know they talk about you know the things that you're interested in uh you know the the ancient cultures and greece and all that socrates man. philosophies yeah yeah hypotheses i'll be dropping these mockeries yeah yeah right. yeah um yeah man that stuff that stuff is super important man that stuff is super important it's and it's kind of uh it's kind of a lost art you know the only people i see really um, dropping knowledge, science. It sounds it's kind of, sounds kind of cheesy now, but are the people that were doing it originally? You know, Killer Priest is still hard at work. You know, being as creative and as mystical as possible. But as far as like young twenty year olds that are doing it, I can't name any. You know, I'm you, sure that they're out there. So you think it's trending away from that then? Uh, yeah. Do you yeah. think that's because they see what works, what's rising to the top? Who's, yeah, who's rising to the top? And I want to follow that trajectory. You know, why, why, why would I read a bunch? Why would I? Yeah, study because, this because knowledge? of the because of the eras, right? Right. Like like when I was when I was growing up listening to hip hop, I'm listening to Public Enemy and KRS-One. Mm -hmm. And even into the 90s, you know, uh, Poor Righteous Teachers was, was still doing it. Um, you know, like people, people had jewels in their raps that were expected to be decoded by people that were willing to do the work. Yeah. Whereas now it's not so much. What so. did you think of Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix? came out like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I didn't I didn't 
I didn't watch all of all of it because documentaries kind of suck, man. Really? I think man, I, I go deep on documentaries. I, I think I think so. The one um the last one I really enjoyed was the the video music box joint that uh that Nas's company put out. I didn't see it. It's my wife's favorite rapper, by the way. She loves Nas. Yo, he's incredible. She's from Queens. Ah, so she loves a lot of East Coast. Man, she man. knows some shit I don't even know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, yeah. It's a, lot, it's a lot cooler than I am. Yo, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 definitely a debate on the most and best rappers, like where they came from. Do they come out of Queens or come out of Brooklyn? You know, like there's so many. Like Queens is incredible, man. Yeah. Do you um, come from a musical background? Yeah, my uh, yeah, my my father played guitar. Uh, my father's father played banjo. Um, my father was in the music business for over 20 years. Damn. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, I, I played drums when I was really little, but like lugging a drum set around was impossible for me. <laughs> so I had to, you know, get into something else. So would you identify more as a rapper, musician? Or would you identify more as, say, a poet? I played the game early on as a rapper, as a as an MC, you know, um, battles, freestyling, getting into every cipher, like, you know, paying my dues. Um, what do they call it? Uh, um, you know, we're musicians shedding. <laughs> uh, but now so, now so I. More of a poet, more of a poet, more of a storyteller. I respect that. You know, I like to think of hip hop in a way as as poetry. I guess you know, essentially, it is depending on what you put into it, mm -hmm. depending on the the gravity of the material, so to speak. And it's it's cool because it's it's you're passing down an oral history. And I know you're a guy that likes to read. You like uh, ancient cultures. Mm -hmm. Second time I've I've mentioned that, but mm -hmm. you know when you when you start dropping that, when you start conveying that knowledge, it makes people think, like you said. Yeah. And, and people special. appreciate it, man. Yeah. People appreciate it. Like I've done, I've done a bunch of albums throughout my time, but 10 years ago, I dropped an album called Kemet, which is pretty much just about ancient Egypt. It's about like Detroit and ancient Egypt and kind of overlapping the two. And I sold more of that album than anything I did previous to that, which goes to show that people want that stuff. They're interested in that stuff. They're just not giving it. What's you your know? attraction to Egypt? I've heard you talk about yeah. this in other interviews. Yeah, it, to, to me, it's it's the it's the root of everything. It's the root of it's the root of all the religions. Um, it's the root of masonry. Um, and it's, it's still very mysterious, you know. And still very relevant today. It's still very relevant, you know. So, yeah, I love it, man. I love it to the point where, uh, you know, I, 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 I learned and studied glyphs. Um, I, love, I love teaching it. I love learning it. And I love uh, the evolution of it, you know. Like if you were looking up ancient Egypt 20 years ago, and studying it 20 years ago, it's changed dramatically now since then. Because now we have like satellites that can look under the sand. Mm -hmm. We've discovered so many new tombs. Mm -hmm. There are more um, female uh, Egyptologists than there are male Egyptologists now. And now Egypt becoming more nationalistic, there's more Egyptian Egyptologists. It's not just European, German, French, an American Egyptologist sure. like how there was in the beginning. Sure. And, and there's a lot of undiscovered chambers still. Yeah, yeah. And there's new scientific data um, yeah. done by, I don't know if it was Graham Hancock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graham is into a, it. He did it with a scientist, a geologist. He, he looked at the Sphinx from Boston College. I forgot his name, Robert Schock. Yeah. So him and Robert Schock, they went out there and they, they looked at the weather erosion on mm -hmm. the base of the Sphinx. Mm -hmm. And they realized that the grooves in the base were from water erosion. Right. And the last time there was water in Egypt. It was like 20,000 years exactly. ago or something like that. It used that. to be a rainforest. Right. And so there's this big controversy, controversy, excuse me, mm -hmm. 
But Robert Schock is a, he's a credentialed guy. Yeah. You know, and, and he says there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy how you can have this um, camp or of belief of this is how it was, this is the history, mm-hmm. and then the evidence shows otherwise. Mm-hmm. So to your point, there's a lot still being learned. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, another big misconception what about the Sphinx in particular was the nose thing. You know, I grew up hearing and reading that Napoleon and his army shot off the nose of the Sphinx. I know they uncovered the Sphinx. I didn't know if they mm-hmm. shot it off. They shot it off? That's what I learned growing up. But then more recently, they've, they've realized that thousands and thousands of statues are missing their noses. Hmm. And it's not just from knocking and destroying um, artifacts. It's because they believed that the spirit enters the nose. So when you decommission uh, a statue or something, you take off the nose so the spirit doesn't come back. Or if a new pharaoh takes place and wants to destroy the old pharaoh's stuff, they take off the nose so the spirit doesn't come back. So That's wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Sphinx is the same way. It's missing its nose because of that. I thought the head wasn't wasn't ever a human face though. I thought it was always a lion, and then the the face fell off. Maybe it was decommissioned. Who knows? Uh, but then they rebuilt it. Yeah, I've I've read a book called The Serious Mystery or The Serious Connection or something like that, and uh, I've I've heard a theory about that as well that it was either a lion or like an Anubis or something like that during its forest years. Because the, the cat is a, a symbol of a guardian of some sort. And, mm-hmm. and there's a, a thought that there's a big chamber, not a thought, but there's evidence showing that there's a big chamber underneath the Sphinx. Yeah, which yeah, which is probably so. Do you like the idea that is out there that there is hidden technology in these spaces, uh, whether it be, I'm not talking about like a laser gun or something like that, but I'm talking about instrumentation to show to shed some light on maybe how the pyramids were built, cut, stacked, moved. Man, there there um, was levitation of blocks, whether it be ancient knowledge. There was for sure technology that we don't understand now. Even in uh the Cairo Museum, I haven't been there myself, but you know, I I seen a bunch of YouTubes of mm-hmm. tour showings, yeah, right? Yeah. I'd love to go. And they would have uh big granite vases, vases, whatever, right? It would, it would be like a big, big base, big round base with a very skinny neck that kind of blooms out. And inside is hollow. We don't understand, you know, we, don't under, we, we couldn't do that today. And did it with hand tools. Exactly, exactly. And they, they, with a copper axe. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you hollow out a base and then make a skinny neck? Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know? We don't know how they did it, but they're at the Cairo Museum. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's proof that there was stuff they were using. We just don't know how. But, but this is a thing too, man. The uh, we don't understand a lot of what was before the Bronze Age collapse. You know, are you up on the Bronze Age? I'm, not, I'm not up on the Bronze Age, man. All right, all right, let's go. The Bronze Age collapse um, happened around. 1200 BC, 800 BC. And if you read the Bible with an understanding or a knowledge or of an of a inkling of the Bronze Age collapse, you read about the story of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers a little bit differently. Mm. Because then you start to see that Moses and the Israelites going out of Egypt is the story of tribes going through the Bronze Age collapse when around that entire time was like Mad Max. Wow. And it's not just like a, like a glorification of God's people. You Understood. Know? For example, right, Moses uh, and his people, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, thinking a lot, right? So Moses and his people are being treated very badly in Egypt, right? But why is that? Because during the Bronze Age collapse, the worst people get it, you know? The minorities are going to be treated the worst, just like if America fell, who's going to get it the worst? Hmm. You know, 
the, the minorities are going to get at the worst. They're going to do the hardest work. They're not going to get paid. That's an interesting thing. You know, the poorest that. people at the bottom get the hardest job. So these were Hebrews living in Egypt at the, at the time when uh, in Exodus they mentioned Ramses, right? So at the time of Ramses, during the Bronze Age collapse, uh, sea peoples are coming into Egypt and they're fighting wars. But because they don't have the same economic trade because of the Bronze Age collapse, they're starting to raid tombs of old pharaohs to pay for wars. Damn. You know, so during this time, Moses and his people are being treated badly, all that. So they start moving, you know, and the reason why the tribes in the desert are so factioned because those were once civilizations that were destroyed, the Hittites, um, the Moabites, all that. I'm impressed, man. You know? Yeah, that's so great. It's, it's, you know, but we're just now learning about the Bronze Age collapse on a bigger level you know was that the same time if you're talking about rating of tombs would that have uh coincided with the time that the polished stones on top of the pyramids the casing stones mm -hmm. that made it polished and white were ripped off um because i think it was it was polished marble that were casing yeah, stones yeah. so the pyramids were actually white they weren't a sand color exactly exactly but man they could have i'm start i'm sure they started uh deteriorating several times throughout, you know, like we were talking about the third dynasty that those were created, you know, and Khufu was a very uh, authoritarian leader, you know, but then after Khufu, the pharaohs after him couldn't make pyramids to that magnitude. They started getting smaller. Yeah. You see how they're kind of like misaligned a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and then even after the third, fourth dynasty, nobody's making pyramids anymore. All right, man, thought experiment. So mm -hmm. you, you die and you can go into history and you can see anything that's been made or, or see a scene play out that mm -hmm. you've read about in history. What would that be? Would that be the Egyptians for you? Yeah, but it, it, wouldn't, be, uh, it, it wouldn't be the early dynasty stuff. I would kind. Of, I'd want to see. Uh, I'd want to see like the super metropolitan era. Mm -hmm. You know when um, when Alexandria was there, and they had the one. Of, you know one of the seven wonders of the world. That big lighthouse that they say could In use. Alexandria. Yeah, that yeah. They, that they used. Uh, that they used light to destroy ships that were coming. <laughs> you know, That's like like a magnifying shit. glass or something like that. You know? I, I appreciate your talk of libraries and ancient Egypt because, you know, in my, you know, geekdom, you know, things that I think when I'm by myself is about uh, Library of Alexandria, man, and, mm -hmm. and how much of a tragedy it is that that thing burned down mm -hmm. and how much ancient knowledge was lost. Mm -hmm. You know, there could have been a ton about the Bronze Age that we learned about. Absolutely. There could have been. It definitely there, was. We could yeah, have yeah. had the knowledge in there of, of how the, the pyramids were built. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, what's in the pyramids or, or what does the function of the pyramid serve? Right. Have you, uh, all right, so on your Instagram, I like doing my research and I looked at some of your posts and you, you uh, posted, you know, a video of your bookshelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. you had Graham Hancock in there and I, I, I follow Graham Hancock. He's a little hard read for me. He's, he's yeah. just, he's, he doesn't really have a good flow. But the point is, is uh, it was Graham Hancock who came out and said the, the the main pyramid what's that? what's the main pyramid's name uh what's the name of it um it's just Pyra sometimes i blank out man i don't know yeah, don't yeah. Know. let's but just call it the is, big one we'll call mm -hmm. it the big one mm -hmm. the dimensions around the outside of the pyramid correspond to the dimensions of the earth mm. so basically what he was putting forth was that the dimensions of the pyramids are a permanent stone structure to if if our civilization was wiped out if somebody were alive and smart enough to put the pieces together they would find out how big our earth is in circumference you know and in xyz in terms of dimensions mm -hmm. it's fascinating yeah yeah that's it's it's a good theory it's a good theory uh it could be it could be um there are places in egypt in stone where they 
talk about how they came up with the circumference of the earth, all that. It's, I, I got a book called uh, African Philosophy by Theophile Obenga, who is really good at uh, citing theories, but then also showing where he got it. So he shows the, the place that the glyphs are that say what he's talking about. And then he translates them and transliterates them. So that's how I know about that. Um, Do you yeah. believe in the story of Atlantis? How, um, who was it? Somebody went to Egypt. I believe it was, uh, it, One of the it, was Greeks. it was Solon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. the ancient lawmaker, Solon. He goes to Egypt and he's, and the, the, the high priests show him, uh, you know, secret carving glyphs on the wall and it talks about Atlantis and it, it lists it out in dimensions and in very yeah. precise description and how they were wiped out. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Randall Carlson yeah. is uh, Graham Hancock, Hancock's homie, yeah. is an expert at, uh, at the geology stuff that backs that info up. I love it, man. I think it's so mm -hmm. sad that we don't know our own history in, in its entirety. Yeah. You know. As we shouldn't. Why? Because the people that want to know will know, but the mm. people that won't, won't. You know, in 5%, in, in like uh, they say, 5% really know. And then the 10% control the, you know, world's wealth. And then the 85 are the duff, dem and duff, deaf, dumb, and blind. Which, as far as uh, percentages, give and take, you know, you can give or take whatever. Yeah. But people don't want to know, man. They want to know about themselves. They want to know I about, get that. You know, and it's always been like that. Everybody knows how to drive a car, but nobody knows how to make one. Right. You know, very right. few know how to make them. Right. So right. when a, you know, so when this civilization collapses, all we're gonna have is stories. But you know, you know the sad thing is, like, I, I slightly disagree, simply because even if you are somebody that's that's searching for that info, mm -hmm. there's there's gatekeepers of knowledge, mm -hmm. people that know things that aren't shared unless you go through you know, a process, you know, whether you become a 33 degree Mason and the Scottish Rite or York mm -hmm. Rite or, or mm -hmm. one of these, these things to show that you are trustworthy enough mm -hmm. to have this sacred knowledge. And I think that knowledge goes all the way back to Egyptians, Sumer, all these places. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree with you on the most part. I, I think the bulk of people just don't care. Yeah. I also think the knowledge isn't there though. It's, it's sad. I, I, I think about... Um, the Catholic priests, when they, they, when they came over to the Americas, God, where was it? Was it Mexico? I think it was Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, one, of the, one of the Franciscan monks, they, they had all the Mayan codex, codexes, codices, uh -huh. burned. Just, oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just tragic. Heathens. And somebody that, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Somebody that, you know, one of the dudes Savages. that wrote about it that was part of the, the book burning was like in tears. He realized what a tragedy it was. Right, right. Because that's a history of the human civilization. Man, yeah. So is it is it these types of topics that you think makes a good poet, that makes a good... I, I keep I, going back to rapper, and I, I, I don't know if I want to use that word anymore based on the fact that you're telling me that you've done that yeah, and it moved on. I, I still do it, but more so, I tell stories and write poems that rhyme. Yeah, you know, and the, 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 there's kind of a difference, you know. I feel like like a rapper like really has to go for the jugular, really has to like make his presence known. Right. Where, um, I'm at this point in my life, just trying to let my work speak for itself, you know. I don't necessarily have to be on top while other people are on top, but I want to build a body of work that when people are interested in my stuff, they'll be able to see like, oh, I got a ton of topics. You know, this person's got a ton of stuff I can listen to and I can get a variety of subjects from yeah. this person. So, uh, yeah, so I feel that. But answering your question, it helps me, you know? I can't speak for everybody, but I definitely feel like my passion towards these subjects, I'm good at communicating, 
you know, not, not everybody is going to be able to like read this stuff or be interested in this stuff and be able to communicate it to the point where like other people are interested. So I have a metaphysical question for you. So mm -hmm. I, in my middle age have, have come to believe that, um, we are drawn to certain things for certain reasons. I mm -hmm. think that there are residues from previous lives, if you choose to believe in things like reincarnation, mm -hmm. you have books on your shelf that are about Egypt. Mm -hmm. You have books on your shelf that are written by Aleister Crowley, which is more of the occult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time on Crowley, yeah. And so my question to you is, do you believe that this was you in a previous life? So this leads into um, why the project I put out is called KV55, right? I was on I was on mushrooms about two years ago, and I was like, I was tripping. I was like really, <laughs> really in it. So I was meditating, and I was going through the universe. I was taking myself into cells and atoms, into the creation of the universe. And I had a vision of being in a tomb, and there was nothing there. There was nothing. There was no furniture. There was nothing on the walls. It was just a blank empty nothing and I honestly started crying at that point like because of this vision and I wouldn't say that I was there but the presence was there and I felt that presence and then I thought about my life as it is now and I thought about the concept of past life trauma right I named my cat Nefer I named my son middle name Amon there's so many, I've, I've collected Egyptian relics throughout my entire life. Like this isn't something I like started in my adulthood. Like I was nine, eight years old, looking at the back of a dollar, Damn. you know, thinking about pyramids and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I, I thought to myself, I was like, I'm living out my life now, trying to make up for what was taken out of this tomb. I if, if, if the stuff was there inside that tomb, then I wouldn't need to run around here looking stuff up, having mm -hmm. to study things, because it would have already been there. And so I call the album KV-55 because KV-55 is a tomb in Egypt that they have a sarcophagus. The face was ripped off. The, the name on the sarcophagus was scratched out. They know that through DNA analysis, they know that it is a relative of King Tut, but they can't be definitive. There's no definitive answer on who that person is. Some say it's, some say it's Akhenaten. Some say it's uh, Ankhesenamun, which is uh, Tut's wife. They don't even know if it's male or female anymore. But the tomb was raided. They don't know exactly who it is or what was around it. So it's a, it's a mystery, right? So KV55 is kind of like my vision manifested. The songs on KV55 are about knowing a lot, but then not really knowing anything at all. You I like know? that. Uh, there's a song on it like, uh, Timmy want to know where the soul go, but he, he doesn't know, but he goes around life just trying to like find these little pieces but nobody really knows anything there's a song on there called charlie o about somebody just wiling out because he doesn't really know what's going on so in a way if i tell me if i'm wrong here just mm -hmm. to kind of repeat what you said so you know what you are now is a manifestation essentially of the things that are missing essentially in what we would call a previous life and you experience that through the vehicle of a psychedelic going to that tomb yeah Think about KV-55. I either had a past life experience or a, or a spiritual past life experience or my imagination was just on fire at yeah. the time and I imagined it. Yeah. And I put no sway on either or, uh -huh. you know. Um, but I do believe, you know, if the people that accept past life beliefs you know, I believe that past life trauma is a real thing. Um, I do too. You know, I do too. We're not born with a clean slate. Uh, 
Augustus, St. Augustus would say, you know, we are born with original sin, but where do we get that original sin? We're not born with a clean slate like how some people would believe, or at least I don't believe that. So I saw a funny meme the other day. It's, mm-hmm. It says, uh, if you if you don't sin, then Jesus died for nothing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so we got to do it. Yeah, right, right, right. You get it. Uh, no, no, uh, not to take anything away from what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is like a a residue of a life, whatever that 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 thing is, you know, quote unquote residue. Mm-hmm. It, it, it means nothing. Right. But mm-hmm. but there's like a, an essence of somebody. And, and over time, that consciousness gets picked up, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe gets put into something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also read something quite interesting a couple of weeks ago and it was on the idea of life and death. And the idea was this, what if when you die, you come out of your mother's womb mm-hmm. crying because you realize what was taken from you. Mm. And as you grow into adulthood, you have these moments of memories as you're learning to speak. Some and do. Write. Some do, you know, like you hear stories of, of children that are savants that, or that have memories of past stuff. You know, it's more clear to some, very few. Dude, I saw this know? freaky thing where this, there was like this video, this, uh, this young kid that was like, yeah, my name is this guy. Mm-hmm. Was it, wasn't the child's name given to him at birth. He's like, my name is this guy. And I fought in World War II and I was in a, a fighter bomber. Right. You know what I mean? And, and my buddy's name was this. He, it was like incredibly detailed. And they found the guy that yeah, was in yeah, World yeah. War II with them. Right. And so this old man meets up with this little kid, and this is, you know, some YouTube video I'm, I'm watching at, like, 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Guy gives him a hug, and they just start talking, and it was just, it was completely it's, bizarre it's wild, to that point. That's, a, that's, that's kind of a, that's the Dalai Lama story, too, right? What's that? This, just the fact that, uh, you know, he had the right birthmarks. He had the right answers to the, to the questions, that he is the living incarnation of, of Buddha, you know? I like the metaphor of a torchbearer. Mm. Okay. And you are essentially passing down this oral history. You're reminding people of their roots and their history. Like I think of like Homer, right? Like before there was the invention of the Greek alphabet, Mm -hmm. Homer was telling the story of the Odyssey and the Iliad, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a history of those people. He was very special because of that. He had a role. And I I don't think... um, a lot of the things people do in this world are all by accident. Right. And you have a role to play mm-hmm. and you are a torchbearer and you're a storyteller. And I think you're passing down that oral history. That's what I think when I look at you, when I see your work. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> somebody's like, yeah, got to sure. do it. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. You know, it's a little heavy, but no, yeah. I, I like what you're doing. Yeah. I like where you're coming at it from. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not the only one, like I can't, I can't put this all on myself, but my experiences of, of who I am and what made me, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely try to pass that on, yeah. you know, whether other people think it's cool or not. Right. I like that. So it's true mm-hmm. to yourself. Mm-hmm. So tell me about fatherhood. Uh, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a journey, man. It's a, it's a journey. I got a, I got a track on uh on KV55 called Toxic Masculinity cuz uh you know I had to, I had to look at myself and my own upbringing. Uh you know, I'm not with uh my my kid's mom at the time or you know, right now. So I had to look at myself like, man, like wh- why is that? You know, what type of woman was I attracted to? Am I attracted to? Mm. Why do I uh act the way I do and accept the things that I take? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, fatherhood is a is a good uh, is is a good mirror, you know, to who I really am wow. and, what, and what I'm trying to pass on. Wow. So you know, I'll, you know, just like with 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 every parent, every parent that's trying to parent, you know, you want your kid to be a better person than you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to give him a better experience than I had. So you're reflecting on what you see as toxic masculinity in you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like I, I grew up, uh, 
I grew up in the 90s, man. It was like, you know, it was it was a thing, man. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a thing. Like, you know, the high school I went to, like, like man, like the trains that were being run on girls is, was every day. It was a popular oh, thing, you know? Like, Iceberg Slim was my hero, you know? Donald Goins, like those books, like uh, Running Game, uh, which is essentially lying for benefits, you know? Uh, you know, like showing those peacock feathers even mm-hmm. even when you don't have, you know, fronting. Like, th- those are the norms, you know? Like, wh- where you grow up just kind of like kind of poor but trying to make up for it. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in the pain that you carry that is manifest in the way in the ways that you act like you know we we need healing <laughs> like we need healing man so like it's uh yeah it's a journey man fatherhood has taught me that don't you think it's a little dangerous though when you get into this phrase of toxic masculinity because you know there are young boys out there that have certain urges you know not to necessarily do the things that you were just mentioning mm-hmm. but to maybe act aggressive and do certain things and when you put a label like toxic masculinity on it do you worry that that might have an adverse effect by you know what i mean by by trying to bring your son up um in in a form better than yourself uh yeah man we'll uh we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it man it's <laughs> like we we, we got to call we we got we got to call these certain aspects, something, you know, it, it, there isn't just toxic masculinity. There's toxic femininity, mm. and newer there's toxic they, itity. <laughs> you know, like, like there's a this, yeah, man. There's a, you know, just the culture in itself, man, has a lot of uh, elements that aren't really worked out that we need to recognize and and think through. So all I can do, you know, when, when he gets of age, man, I just got to, you know, just like, bro, like, look at yourself. Yeah, like, like really, that. really look at yourself and ask <laughs> yourself why, you know, like that's, that's, to me, that's, that's the thing, man. And he's going to be like, fuck you, dad. And, and I expect <laughs> that. And I expect that because I was that. But that, that's part of it, man. Like, to me, what makes somebody smart isn't what they know, but how they grow. You know, let me think about that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not it's not the information that you retain in your head, but why is the information in your head retained and processed the way it is? Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, I don't judge people. Like, you know, I like if 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 somebody's a racist, I'm not gonna judge them strictly on being a racist. Like that's just that's super surface. But why is that? What type of what type of beliefs are you holding true? What type of pain do you have? And do you recognize that? If you don't recognize it, then you're not the smartest person. But if you do and you reason it out, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, like, and that goes, that goes with everything. You know, everybody. But that doesn't make the conclusion right. That just, no, it doesn't you know, it's, it's like, okay, you understand how you tick, essentially. But, mm-hmm. that, you know. but that's all we can do is understand how we tick. Yeah. Uh-huh. So in this last solo recording that I did, I, I included this thought that I, I really believe to be true. I'm not trying to sound cool by saying it, but I really do believe that understanding is the path to love. Mm-hmm. When you understand what somebody's going through, maybe what their background is, where they're at right now, where they're at on their journey, if you understand that that person operates in a certain way or they're trying to go to a better place, if you understand that, then that's a way for you to show love. Mm-hmm. Man, I saw I saw a recent video of of Chet Hanks, right? Who's, who's Chet Hanks? Chet Hanks is Tom Hanks' son. Oh no shit! He's he's you know he's the name's your son he's, Chet, huh? He's he's the wily one, right? Yeah. You know he uh, he he had a song a, a year or two ago called White Boy Summer. He's just just kind of a corny like a corny dude, right? Yeah. But he put a he put out a video recently about uh, why he was the way he was, and he talked about the anger and the hurt and the feeling and the feelings of worthlessness that uh that he was going through i was just like ah i can respect this guy now at first at first i just kind of looked at him as a clown you know but i i see that he actually did some work 
So I'm like, all right, all right, this dude, yeah, that's I, cool. I can respect him a bit. Where does your fire come from? Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I guess this, I guess the same thing, you know, I'm trying to, trying to work out my past and, yeah. you know, try to make a better future. You're on a human journey, man. I'm on a human journey. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. As we all are. You know what pisses me off, man? I have a, a bookshelf full of books, and I've read all, most of them. But I have books that I don't read, man. And, and I'll read like half, and then I'll put it down. Mm-hmm. I won't finish it. I don't understand why. Because you're not really into it. I am. <laughs> I am, though. That's the thing. But the thing is, like, I buy too many books. I have four books stacked up that uh-huh. I'm, like, halfway through. Okay. So... Can I tell you about what I'm reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm reading uh, uh, this book called Time Code by Ray Dalio. He's he he operates or owns or manages like the biggest hedge fund okay. in, in the United States, and he talks about looking back uh, economically at ancient cultures and in these yes. these times of societal collapses, yeah, of yeah, empires, and we're well overdue. Yeah. So that's one book. I'm then reading. Uh, Love economics, man. Alexander. Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago. I'm reading some dark books right now. Okay, okay. Just about um, uh, during during Stalin's time, mm. where they're talking about the 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 kulaks, which were you know they were just kind of like the peasant class, but they were farmers and uh, you know they they had wealth. They had a home and a horse, and they killed these people. And it talks about the gulag. Mm. So Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he was in the gulags. He won mm. a Nobel Prize. Wow. For it, and he wrote about the dangers of it. Um, I'm reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Okay. I'm trying to think what else. I have some other stuff in there, but. Okay. What What about this? Do you uh, Do you balance them out? Like like those books seem heavy. Like for for myself, like I I read some heavy books, but I also balance them out with with not so heavy books. Medi- Maybe even some trashy books. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I go through the trash on my phone. You know what I mean? Okay. That's the problem. I get sucked into that glowing screen. But, you know, Meditations is actually pretty light. You know, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's still popular today mm-hmm. because people can relate to it. It's just lessons of going through life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of them are heavy, to your point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe that's what it is. It's kind of like eating a heavy meal, like a real dense bread. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's or or a muscle. You know, like you if you do push ups on one arm, you know, eventually that arm is just gonna get tired. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta work with the other arm. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, yeah, at least that's like uh like I told you uh before we started, man. I I, I took a I took a break. I'm taking a break, mm-hmm. smoking weed. So mm-hmm. that's that's my thing too, man. Like it's not it's not something it's not something uh I just gave up. I want to smoke all the goddamn time. But I don't. And I use books as is <laughs> is the thing that wow. keeps me from thinking about it. Wow. So um so yeah, yeah, I just kind of changed my attention. So I read this book years ago called The Shallows by Nicholas Carr, and it was really mm-hmm. when the, the internet was, you know, really on the up, which is kind of a weird thing to say because it's more relevant than ever. But, you know, when it first came into the public consciousness, you know, that public, you know, that the zeitgeist of society, um, he talked about how when you read on a screen compared to reading in a book. Yeah, I can't stand the screen. I can't stand the screen. I can't do the Kindle. And no. I, no, I, I got to tell you, though, like even if you were just reading an article from like the New York Times or something like that, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, you know, you do this pattern with your eyes where you read the first three or four lines and then you just you just you scan for like keywords as you go down. But you don't read the article and then you just, you know, OK, whatever. I think I got the gist of it. Yeah. But Man. where I'm going with this is that I realize, like, when I read, it's I go to a deeply meditative place, and yeah. I love it. I'm like, man, I'm going to read a book a week. And, you know, I do pretty good for about a week. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, <laughs> then, then, but, then, but then that muscle, that muscle starts, yeah. starts aching, and you, and you got you to gotta lay off it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, books to me are my meditation beads, you know, at least at this point right now because I'm not, because I don't have the habits that I used to, so it's it helps it helps me relax. Yeah. But you know, I I got I got some you know I got a, a book on Philip and Alexander that I'm going through right now, 
in a book on um on Caesar, but then I'm also reading um a Wendy Williams book and Jay Z decoded in uh in the Dilla book. So like I gotta balance I gotta have my Wendy Williams, <laughs> you know, just so I can like so I can just zone out and know about right. my pop culture and my trash. Yeah. So I can be able to like go back to my Alexander and actually be able to pay attention to that it. Because stuff gets heavy, too. Yeah, yeah. I like that, though. It's a good approach. Yeah. So I, that, you know, that's, that's, that's my technique. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Steve. I, I, get all my, I get all my news from Worldstar, man. I don't, I don't, you for real? I don't, I don't trust World any. Worldstar hip-hop? Yeah, man. I don't oh. trust any other sources, man. <laughs> for real. Like, that's it. You know, I got to, the, the culture, the culture shows me what I need to, what I need to be focused on. I mean, don't man. you see some of the most ridiculous shit on there though? Yeah, but I see ridiculous shit on the news. <laughs> or yeah, I, I was before I just dedicated my life to Worldstar. Yeah, like, right. You know, like, like you watch local news, man, they're talking about restaurants and cat videos. Like that's, that's no more, Yeah. that's no more crazy than, than the trash stuff on Worldstar. But yeah. then Worldstar has those deep politics. Oh yeah. You know? I, got people. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't gone to <laughs> World Star in yeah. a while. But that's you know, that's the thing. Like as as someone of hip hop, you know, like we got to get our news from the culture that we come from, not the not the narrative that's that's uh, that's broadcasted on us. Yeah, I hear that. You know? I like that. So let's uh, let's wind down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's been a good conversation, man. Or thank I'm you, man. That. Has, I like this. When are, when do you do these readings? Right, what's what's the name of the bookstore again? Twenty seventh Letter Bookstore, okay. which I'll I recommend everyone in the Detroit area to check out. It's on Michigan Ave. I'm not exactly sure the address, yeah. but it's a it's a couple miles down Michigan Ave okay. from downtown. Twenty seventh Letter Bookstore. How far from here? Just maybe yeah. half mile. A mile and a half. Sweet. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, I recommend everybody go there support support local bookstores yeah. because. That's it. We we need them. We need them now more than ever. Yeah, I'll come through for sure. I was talking to John King about coming on the show, and this was like like during lockdown. Mm-hmm. You know, King King Bookstore. Yeah, yeah, and, I, love, uh, I love John King. Nice guy. Open to the idea of coming on, but he's obviously concerned about COVID, and you know, it, at that time, no vaccinations were out, and mm-hmm. he just wants to be safe, which I completely respect. Mm-hmm. But he's an important guy. Yeah, he, he's a foundation stone in this city. Yeah. And we were talking about the Library, Library of Alexandria, Alexandria burning yeah. down. I, you walk through there and you're like, oh, my God, this place terrifies right, right. me. Yo, you know what I mean? We're going to burn that Library of Alexander down through economics, through not supporting it, through not caring about it. Our not caring about it is the fire wow, that's that, a, is, that is burning down. That's a great point. That's that stuff. So That's right on. You know, It's a lot of books to buy, though. And, and, and some and some of them are trash, but yeah. that's you know you don't got to buy everyone. You just yeah. you just got to just look there. Just look, pay attention, talk to somebody who works there, because mm-hmm. that that's the thing about that's the thing about bookstores, man. Is they're, they're curated by people that care. That's why I love Twenty Seventh Letter, because the people that own it are young, and that they don't have opinions from somebody else. You know, like. Uh, all, all the bookstores around Detroit have their pros and cons, have their, you know, you go to a source bookstore, you're going to get certain books there. You go to John K. King, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a wealth of old books. You go to 27 Letter, you're going to get newer books. You know, you just got to gotta find your way. Yeah. But, I like that. You know, you know good, good place to take a date, you know. I'm selling it. I'm selling it hard. For real? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll take your word for it. If you think so. Hey, you know, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with anybody that doesn't, that doesn't read. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's good though. You encourage it. I like it, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I like your passion. I appreciate it, and I think it definitely comes through in your music. Or appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Well, let's break down these last two questions. So we've all been to a concert. Mine was Boys to Men in seventh grade. If you can believe That's that. not a I bad one, like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, fun yeah. though. I liked it. Uh, Nineteen. What was it? Seventh grade. I was born in eighty-one. So. Oh, me too. Me too. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's been like uh, 
1994. Okay, man, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of no. embarrassed. I'm kind of embarrassed by it, man. I think my my first concert was was ICP. Oh, really? Yeah. All when right. I was like maybe like 14 or something like that. I think okay. I, 14. Yeah, I think I was 14. But yeah, ICP, man. Chris, we had ICP in the Plymouth studio, didn't we? Plymouth Rock recording. That's awesome. Was it good? Yeah, it was crazy. They had aggressive, uh, right? They had uh, garbage bags of one dollar bills <laughs> that they threw out in the crowd, and everybody was killing themselves, <laughs> killing each other for these one dollar like bills. Bucks, right? Uh, yeah, I was like, man, these these guys are special. <laughs> wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah. So Detroit, we're part of it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, was, uh, it's like uh, the way I try describing it to people that don't know Detroit. It's kind of like. Uh, grabbing a fistful of water. Mm. It's a hard thing to try to describe, to articulate. I was, I was thinking about this earlier, like what Detroit is for me. And man, the, an the answer I have isn't, isn't a popular one. But I say, uh, man, it's, it's kind of like asking like, a, like an indigenous person what the reservation means for them. Wow. You know, like my, my family has been here for a hundred years on each side, the black side and the white side. And, you know, I, I've lived in New York, I've lived in LA, but I come back here because it's affordable, it's cheap, but I'm stuck here. You know, there's no record labels in Detroit. You gotta fight your way to get out of the city. Uh, you know, people don't want you to leave. Like, you know, it's, yeah. Were you too good for Detroit? <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm on the res. And, you know, there's positive things about the res, but there's also, like, man, I wish there was something more, you know? I wish I could do what I'm truly meant to do. Which is what? Um, teach, you know? teach the way I want to teach in the format that I want to teach it in. So why can't you? I, don't I can, but for right now, it's got to be for free or for little, <laughs> you know, like, I got you. you know, just in the current environment of, of streaming, of, of uh, not having uh, many places, you know, we, you know, like uh, we have hip hop shows, but we don't have many uh, poetry events in the city, bookstores that are really open to it besides the one I'm doing doing it at you know it's it's a bigger city but it's also a small one you know? interesting i respect that answer yeah so but once you say detroit yeah but it's made you what you are so yeah so. yeah and, and and just like the other people i'm so thankful you know we, we have some of the best man electrifying mojo uh techno was started here motown we like we've we've been able to see these giants grow huge worldwide and all that but that was in a different era mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. now everything is so homogenized and uh yeah i don't know man i don't know and it's, it's one of those things you i know? respect that answer yeah it's real mm -hmm. you know one quick thing about the the poetry right mm -hmm. so i did all this writing and whatnot and there was an event that took place on halloween is a poetry slam at the Aretha Franklin mm. uh, Music Theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which old is on Shane, right? Yeah, yeah, Madison and Brush Street, right? Mm -hmm. And I went there, and I signed up, and I got up on stage, and I read some of my shit, and I got blown the fuck out. Like, 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 like no, I'm not, like I'm not talking like, 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 like by some like people that were like really, really good. Oh, okay. So there is that culture of spoken word, and you know people going through their journey man and and it was real it was like i i thought i was gonna get up and i was gonna drop some stuff about like the individual versus the collective you know what i mean and it just it was just it was falling on deaf ears people were getting up there and there was like a dj like yeah <laughs> like scratching and i'm like oh man what did i get myself into and like i didn't even make it past round one but <laughs> i mean there's some there's some people that can spit some fire in the city man absolutely man Absolutely. That's yeah, cool. it's, it's a thing, man. Well, Miles, thank you, man. Do you have any uh, last words you want to share? Uh, man, you know, 
shout out, you know, shout out to 27 Letter Bookstore. Um, uh, you know, support, support my stuff on Bandcamp. On uh, you know, I got a couple albums on the on the streaming services. Not all of them, but you know, check out my IG Intricate Dialect. You know, that's, love that's it. About it. That's Hell about yeah, it. man! Well, thanks for coming on, dude. Let's uh, let's do it another time, man. Yeah, we'll yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, of course. We'll dig deep again on some uh, ancient Egypt and Greece. Yeah, I yeah. love it, man. For sure. <laughs> that's the shit I like to geek out over, you know. Yeah, man. Definitely, definitely. Cool. I'm here for you. All right, man. All right, cool. Bye, everybody. Peace.